And anytime I would fight reality, anytime I'd have a problem with it is when I felt divisiveness within myself, is when I actually struggled or suffered. So some people might say, well, you're just asking me to bullshit myself. Yes, I'm asking you to bullshit yourself. And so if you are a person that is agitated over every little thing, realize you have to clean that best. Welcome back to the Nirvana Mind and Body Podcast. For Justin Lovato, I'm Sean McDevitt. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening. If you are listening, it means you're trying to better your life. And Justin and I both support you. We see you in this journey. And we're really excited to have you here. What's going on, Justin? What's up? What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. So we were just talking about your friend and how, how do I describe stuff? <laughs> I guess my, my previous partner. Okay. Yeah, my previous uh, yeah my previous partner I think is it's funny I I actually went through that a few times too like how do I um, introduce Steph as like hey here's my friend Steph or here's my previous partner Steph Um, I think both work. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like here's my friend and then you'd be like uh, if you have time I'll unpack that for you but it's my friend Steph. Here's my friend Steph. We were also married for eight years. yeah, she's in town. Uh, really pumped for her to be here. Uh, most people know that me and Steph still work together in, in a lot of ways. Um, she was a big part of built nutrition and training when we were um, married, when we were together. You know, she was the nutritionist um, and also very much a trainer in that space. And we created a lot of amazing programs all through that relationship and uh, in that business. And so moving forward with Nirvana, it just made perfect sense to have Steph as a nutritionist for anybody that comes through my website and works with me directly. So, and as you know, Jared now is also a part of Nirvana nation. Um, he was a movement specialist. So, uh, you know, I had an idea. I'm like, why don't we collaborate me, Jared and Steph, when it comes to creating a program, uh, with movement, with education on nutrition and breathwork and meditation. So Steph flew out for the week. She's here for an entire week. She, I think she takes off Monday. So almost a week. And uh, me, her, and Jared are going to be creating three different programs to release throughout the year coming up. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm going to be recording a lot of really great content, a lot of kettlebell stuff. It's it's mostly focused on movement because Jared has so much amazing information to offer. So we're really excited to create these programs. So yeah, throughout the week, we're just going to be recording over on it. It's going to be fucking dope. Just to shout stuff out too, and I think this is cool for our listeners to see somebody who continues to try new modality movements for lack of a better term because i know she's gotten really into surfing which is neat for me to watch her stories especially somebody who surfed a lot growing up and then when you were out in santa cruz getting her into the kettlebell movements and trying some of those new movements and i think it's really cool right because in our society we might be programmed to think you can't teach an old dog new tricks and then here you guys are continuing to reinvent yourself continuing to try new things i think that's really cool for our listeners too if you feel stuck if you're like you know what I've been lifting generically for 20 years. I want to try something new. You can. Yeah, it's been nice switching it up. Uh, you know, I, I was accidentally introduced to unconventional training when like COVID happened. I was forced kind of in my space in my garage back in Venice. And that alone got me away from just machines. Because up until that point, I was doing always, always using a lot of machines when it came to uh, conventional training, I guess you would call it with bodybuilding. And so when I was, you know, not allowed to essentially go to a, a regular gym, I got into more free weights 
And then, yeah. And then from that, it kept evolving. And, you know, I I grabbed a few kettlebells, but at that time I was literally just doing kettlebell swings, nothing else. I didn't know there was anything else to actually do. Uh, And, you know, and I even got more into my sweatshirt. This is the one movement you can do. One movement. That's it. Yeah, that was it. Literally, I think a goblet squat and a kettlebell swing was the only two things I did. And um, yeah, when I moved to Texas, for whatever reason, I just started stumbling across these amazing accounts. And that's when Jared reached out. He's like, Hey man, I've been following you forever. I see that you're getting into unconventional training. I would love to come over and show you what's up. And that was the first time I met Jared, but he was following Steph and myself for, for 10 years. And, um, he was actually, he actually expressed that, that a lot of his training was inspired by, uh, myself, uh, in bodybuilding days. And like, that's what got him into smoking and training, light and lifting. Yeah. So it was really cool to come full circle. Now Jared's one of my closest friends and now he lives here in Texas and we're always training and creating content together. So full circle. And then I was able to get Steph into it when I visited her. I bought Steph a a kettlebell to start training with, uh, to prepare for these programs we're creating and also a mace. So like Steph loves it. Yeah. And for our listeners, definitely check out Jared. We had him on a previous episode Mm -hmm. of the show. So if you want to get to know him a little bit more, definitely check that out. It's also mm-hmm. cool too. I had a longtime follower of ours who actually used to listen to our podcast, My Two Cents, back in the day, Justin. Uh, mm-hmm. Draven Long, shout out to Draven. He actually just reached out to me to sign up with me in a life coaching capacity. And it was super cool to get on a consult consultation Zoom with him because I was like, man, it's been like a decade. Like you've seen mm-hmm. so much of my life and like this whole journey. And I think that's really cool what like the benefit of social media, right? Like I know social media gets a bad rap for the reasons that we know, but social media allowed Jared to, and we talked about it on that episode, kind of like shoot his shot as it were and be like, Hey man, like I see you getting to this stuff. I followed you forever. You've made an impact in my life. And now I'd love to make an impact in yours. Draven's doing the same thing. And so for anybody listening, whether it's me or Justin or other people, I I would hope you're following like real people, quote unquote. I think that's an episode for another time. I feel like there's a lot of like uh, NPCs out there, non-player characters, but there are real people on Instagram and sometimes it's cool to reach out and make that connection. He just signed up for Nirvana Nation. He there said, we go. He just signed up. Yeah, he made a really cool introduction. Came in there, expressed some love and all the stuff that he's actually working on too. So he opened right up, which was really cool. And um, that's one thing I love about that community. It's like a safe space for people to really just be vulnerable, be their authentic selves. And so, yeah, he came right in and introduced himself. It was really cool. Uh, opened up and already had some other members like chime in on, you know, how to help in, in all cool ways. So um, pumped for him to be in the community. Shout out to the community as well. I'm yeah. probably going to mess this up. $18 a month, right? $18, yeah. Just and we just, bucks. we just made some cool changes too. So now it's kind of neat that we're actually talking about this because uh, Sarah, my operations manager, also um, just an amazing person. What's up, Sarah? She's dope. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, she's fantastic. She had a great idea of opening up the, um, the Nirvana Nation membership um, for everybody um, to come through as far as the... Um, the uh, chat board, the community chat board, so to speak, the Facebook group, uh, which will allow everybody to come in now for free. So everybody can come into Nirvana Nation for free and be a part of the community chat board, which is really powerful. So they can kind of see what it's all about. And then we have a, I guess, a VIP membership now that when you pay $18 a month, you get access to X, Y, and Z, which is um you know the the great discounts with our mentoring calls um, and now when you become a member the breathwork programs that you used to get a discount on it's actually included now and as long as you're a member you have access to a lot of the programs absolutely for free for just 18 dollars a month and 
obviously the breath work, um, the guided breath work each and every month, twice a month is still included as well. So yeah, just a lot of great opportunities to kind of engage in different ways. If you want to be a member versus, um, a VIP member. Q and a sessions as well. And I've been describing Mm -hmm. the community, Justin, to friends that I run into other people is that it's basically a safe space, quote unquote, to have conversations that you might feel like you can't have with other people. Like Justin Mm -hmm. and I are very grateful that we have a really cool community here in Austin where we can actually see each other in real life. But we have so many people in the community, like in different cities around the country, around the world. And they're like, I don't have that community. I feel like I can't talk to people about these things that either I'm going through or things that I've heard Justin talk about that I want to get into. That's what the community is for. You can talk about whatever you want to. You can share experiences and you're going to be supported. Uh, What I really like about it is people share things that I think, you know, and this is maybe me being stereotypical. They might get like made fun of or embarrassed or like, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that quote unquote. Right. They feel judged. You're not going to get that in the community. We can literally talk about anything and you're going to be supported, which I think is dope. Yeah. yeah, that's the best thing about it, I feel, is like-minded individuals doing the work, so to speak. And these people are really doing the work. They're getting into their breath work and their meditation. They're they're getting into all the books. They're really doing the work. And, and from that, uh, people have a better um, awareness on how to support one another, how to not judge, how to... Uh, truly support and uh, it's 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 really cool it's something that i i couldn't even imagine when starting it uh the type of conversations that are having uh within these chat boards are are really powerful and very supportive and it's making a real difference so i'm, I'm really proud of nirvana nation and, and what it's turning into so very exciting stuff so if you're listening definitely check that out we will have a link in the show notes also shout out to our editor and podcast producer denon uh it's an mm-hmm. entire team i think Sometimes people, it's a misnomer, right? They may see you, Justin. It's like, it's just you. It's like, no, there's Sarah and there's Dan and there's people in the community. Um, There's so many people who help us do this podcast, help us create the community and definitely want to take a moment to shout them out too. Yeah. Very lucky to have such a powerful team. Like you said, with Sarah, Dan and yourself, Jared and Steph, Uh, just, just a all-star team, I would say. And yeah, very lucky. I would agree. Um, Well, cool. So Justin and I, when we were planning as much planning, quote unquote, as we do for a podcast, Justin and I were able to get together at ACL, which was a lot of fun, Austin City Limits here in Austin. And we were having some conversations and um, I was trying to pay attention while meandering around of the topics that I thought would be cool to talk about and just expand on. Right. And so the first one is diving a little bit more into a saying that you love, which is my person. And you made a post recently on Instagram that unpacked that a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I was able to share that on my story and give like my two cents pun intended on that one, but I wanted you to expand a little bit on what does that mean to you when you're talking about my person or my person experiences this? Mm. Well, I think it's good to get into the question like, who are you or who am I? And that's like kind of a fun one that I get into with my clients when coming to this um, term, my person. And so, you know, gurus like Bob Proctor, if you guys haven't heard of him, definitely check him out. He's, he's passed passed on, but he's had a, he's had a a wonderful career in being an author, motivational speaker. And like I said, many would call a guru. And he had this wonderful question, like, who are you? Like, who am I? And he always expressed if someone took the time to really research this and dive into it, you you may be surprised at what you may find. And Michael Singer also gets into this in the untethered soul, like, who are you? And we can kind of just even play with that now and go through that, you know, oftentimes when, we ask someone, who are you? They give us their name, right? 
a bunch of letters, a, a name, but I think we could then realize if we had a different name, we would still be there, you would still be there. So clearly we are not our name. And so we can ask that question, well then who are you? The next common answer most people give, most individuals give is their, their job title or title in general, like I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, or I'm a father or mother, but if you had a different profession, you would still be there and you were there before you became a mother or father. So clearly we are not our titles. Uh, the next question like, or the next answer when we ask who are you is we usually then list our life experiences. I grew up in California until eight years old then moved to New York, then met the love of my life and had a child. Well, you would still be there if you grew up in a different space or if you met somebody else or if you didn't have any children at all. So clearly you are not your experiences. Uh, so then who are you? And then the next answer you usually get is like, oh, I'm my body. I'm five foot 10, you know, 210 pounds brown hair brown eyes but you were there uh, when you were four years old with a body that was barely four feet tall so clearly we are not our bodies so who are you and so this is a powerful question and when and when we really do research it, we come to the realization that we are um man we are beautiful divine beings having this wonderful experience with this beautiful person and so I get, I, I, I've been able to really help um, people break free of the identification of the person, of their mind, uh, by using this term, my person. So if we aren't our person, if we're not our thoughts, feelings, or emotions, then who are we, right? And therefore, we can kind of zoom out. And, and when our person has these strong thoughts, when our person has these strong feelings and emotions, we can, we can really then you know, talk to our person, ooh, my person is feeling anxious right now. And this gives us the ability to pause and not get pulled in um, and, and, and fully uh, fall into trance of the emotions of the thoughts and in such a way and gives us the ability to pause, step outside of it, and then manage it in a much more powerful way, in a much more mindful way, much more loving way. And um, this has been really powerful. So yeah, I mean, a long-winded answer um that's why this, we're here that's why i asked yes, the question yeah that's true that's why we set up these podcasts right um so for me um whenever my person um becomes anxious i, I get really good about ooh, justin i even refer to justin like what is this trigger that you just felt right now what is this right here and that gives uh, not only myself the opportunity to pause but also my person to truly pause and like look at what caused that trigger whether it was a thought um, an emotion from the body that was released or the collective or, you know, it, it's, um, it's external space could have caused it as well. Um, and then having the ability after that to pick a, a powerful, more loving behavior to manage that trigger, uh, which most people aren't aware of even doing. Uh, a lot of times when people become triggered, uh, they seemingly fall into a behavior uh, without without even paying attention to it, right? It just kind of happens. And then after that, they aren't really um, paying attention to how that behavior made them feel. What was the result of choosing that behavior? And so a lot of times it's kind of learning how to map your person, map your mind, if you will. And this is really fun. So my person is just a wonderful way to not get pulled into your mind movies or um, behaviors that truly don't serve us. Just gives us the ability to pause. I really appreciate that, Justin. I kind of want to keep going on it because yeah, I yeah. have some thoughts as well that I know you you heard at ACL. Um, first off, if you heard Justin say that we're divine beings, and I'm sure a lot of you listening were nodding your heads, and I'm sure some of you were like, what is this woo-woo bullshit 
Yeah. Let's yeah. really uh, dive into that one. So for me, how I explain that is, uh, well, first off, Justin, and I love how you went through that, man, of like, who are you? And it's mm. like, you start with the name and it's like, oh, okay, let's move past that. Like, who are you? And it's like, well, my career, and move past that, right? That, that journey. Um, so if we're proving that to be correct, then you are also not your emotions. Like mm. when you have this emotion, if you're not your name, if you're not your career, if you're not your experiences, your emotions are also your experiences. You are not your emotions. Correct. And it can be helpful to detach from that because then we don't feel a lot of the guilt, the shame, the judgment. And it's just like, oh, why is this coming up for me? Mm. Um, also, as it relates to being a divine being, hearing people say like, oh, we are all one. When I share that with people who maybe haven't had the awakening or experiences, whatever we want to define it as, they mm -hmm. may eye roll. And how I explain that is one, the prevailing theory of evolution is there was a big bang. Mm -hmm. There was a big bang and then everything came after that. So in a very literal sense, we are all the same. Like we all, if you trace it back far enough, what, like 14 billion years at this point, it's that one moment, it's that big bang. Yes. And we all trace back to that. So it's like these little sea anemones that well, it's like our hand, right? Like imagine each finger was independent and an independent thinker and the, you know, pointer finger is like, like I'm the best. The middle finger is like, fuck you. I'm the best. And you go down the list, right? They only have the view of their one finger, but you and me, we look and it's like, Hey guys, calm down. You're all part of the hand. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's in a very literal sense, how we can define ourselves as being all one, all in this together. And then in a figurative sense, my actually my uh stepfather-in-law was really good at this because uh in political conversations a lot of the times that can be very triggering for people right if they're on the left or on the right they really can't communicate however if you break it down to the goals the dreams the hopes of all of us it's all the same mm -hmm. like we we all want to have a, a safe future we all want a loving family we all want a safe home we all want relatively the same things so in a figurative sense, Justin raised in New York, me raised in California, different experiences, the whole deal. We're basically the same because we probably want the same things for our lives, for the lives of others. So in a figurative sense, we are all one, right? And so I just wanted to expand a little bit on that. And then my uh, response to the my person, which I think is fantastic, is the separation from the actual experience. And how I first heard it defined, Justin, was instead of saying, I am sad, say a person is sad because if i say i'm sad now i'm recognizing with that emotion i'm letting it define the entirety of my being like mm -hmm. there's seemingly no way out right just like how we were talking earlier if someone says well my name is this or my career is this that path that you went through can be uncomfortable right and that's what like adyashanti talks about the end of your world because when you start going through that and you start breaking it down breaking it down breaking it down it's like oh my god who am i right who am I? Yeah. So that I'm sad feeling locks us in versus if you just simply think, well, someone's sad. Like if I told Justin, I'm sad today, bro, he'd be like, he'd probably hype me up like he often does in text. And then he'd be like, hey, like, do you have time to go outside? You know, get it, get a walk, like get out of your space a little bit. Could you throw on a playlist? Could you meditate? Could you talk to your wife? Could you do these things? And when we separate from ourselves and think I'm not sad, but somebody is sad, then we can start to take action, right? And we can yeah. start to re rectify whatever it is that's a distortion inside of us. And so mm -hmm. I really like how you were getting to my person. And when you and I talk and hang out and anybody who's hung out with Justin, he'll say like, yeah, my person was feeling X, Y, Z. And I think that's amazing, especially for people who have a more spiritual bent. And I just wanted to take a moment to break it down for people who may um, I roll at spirituality. They may not vibe with all of this. Let me give you a real world application to use yeah. this same theory. 
I mean, you can even just look at anything, all of this um, as the energy, right? Everything, I mean, even just from a science perspective, everything is literally connected. Everything is atoms, everything is energy. And there's a, a spectrum to this one energy that everything is this universe. Um, and so uh, I, I really, I really enjoy this process of also like understanding that you aren't your thoughts right so you have a mind but you aren't the mind you have thoughts but you aren't your thoughts and then if you're not these thoughts if you're not this mind then also who are you and again that's just a fun way to like kind of step outside of like oh that's true i'm i'm not my thoughts thoughts are just thoughts and that's a, a cool space for a lot of people to start investigating as well and if you're not your thoughts then who are you and you know you can you can call it divine being you can call it pure awareness um, you know, whatever term makes you feel comfortable, I guess. But, um, it, and, and I think what we also realize when we really investigate this, there's, there's multiple selves, which even makes it a little bit more complicated. Uh, <laughs> you can just keep going with it. Uh, Ram Das does a really excellent job of explaining, um, the selves and you mentioned the big bang. So like before the big bang, many would call the void, right? Uh, the big bang then is the one spirit and then the spirit manifest creates the souls. And the souls manifest and create the human. And so you can kind of slide into these different selves, so to speak, or you can go all the way and, and become the observer of these different selves. And I know this sounds a little far out, but this is kind of where you can start operating from and paying attention to which self is, is feeling these things and which self is going through something. Uh, and then you can, it's funny, you can actually slide into like your higher self, so to speak, and hold space for one of these other selves if it's going through it. So uh, oftentimes if my person self is having a powerful, painful experience in this space, uh, if I lost a loved one, I can slide into the soul seat, the soul self, and maybe um, whisper, so to speak, or guide my person to manage their emotions in a really powerful way through forgiveness, through acceptance, through grounding through breathing and and maybe my person doesn't have the tools or isn't aware of these tools and maybe even chooses poor tools to cope or manage which is what most our persons do right we don't have the tools or the awareness so uh, we can we can kind of slide into that seat and guide this person and um, it becomes very powerful and you end up operating in this really cool space uh, and i know that sounds kind of far out when when speaking on this but uh, this is the next space. This is the next step for a lot of us to start breaking free of of the um, the mind. Have you seen the movie Soul? It's an animated joint from Disney. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. So I think that that's reality. That mm -hmm. we have these this ability to look at our lives as a soul entity, decide that I want to come back as Justin. I want to come back as Sean. Live this life. Learn these things. Go through these challenges. See how I do. And for anybody, like you said, this may sound a little bit far out. Definitely check out the movie Soul. It may give you a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm going somewhere with this next question. Do you know how we as humans discovered the placebo effect? No, I don't think I have. Okay. So fun fact, I often say hashtag Sean knows because I'm dangerous at trivia. So like hit me up. If you need a lifeline, shoot me a text. Okay. <laughs> okay. Trivia night. Um, so it was in World War One. Very oh, yes, violent. I know the story. Very Go violent, on. very destructive. And the medics in the field ran out of morphine. So you literally have people who have limbs blown off in immense pain. And the medics, it was actually the nurses. The medics were like, hey, hand me the morphine. And the nurses are looking around like, you know, we're fucking out. 
And so they put saline solution, basically sugar water into the syringes and then handed it back to the medic in the field. The medic goes, you know, Hey soldier, you're going to be out of pain here in a moment, boop with the injection. And the soldier who again has a tremendous injury, huge pain, all of a sudden that injection goes through and they're like, Oh man, thanks doc. Like, Oh, that feels so much better. And the nurses are standing around like, what is actually going on? Because they're not being injected with morphine. So that was the first time we as humans discovered that. I just want to take a moment, like how powerful is the mind that we can shut off immense pain like that, that comes from a brutal war simply by basically tricking ourselves. The reason why I mentioned this is you're correct, Justin, that some of what we're talking about can seem far out. It can seem woo-woo. It can seem unreal. However, if we've taken the fact that the placebo effect is so powerful, what we're asking you to do, what we're encouraging you to do is simply make a perspective shift and tell yourself a different story using the power of the placebo. So some people might say, well, you're just asking me to bullshit myself. Yes, I'm asking you to bullshit yourself for you because Justin and I believe this to be truth. There are other people out there who believe this to be truth. We've talked about how there's different perspectives in this life. And so if one can just hold on to a different perspective that more serves them and then watch what happens with the rest of their life. And so like Justin was saying a moment ago, if they can like with losing a loved one, which is horrible. It's the out of the top three most stressful things that you can do in life. Losing a loved one is number one. Moving is number two, which Justin just did, hugely stressful. And three is divorce. So that number one of losing a family member, hugely tragic. If one can shift into this, like you said, the soul entity of like, let me just back out for a sec and look at it through a different lens. Does that help us live through our day-to-day? Does that help us come to terms with that loss? And if the answer is yes, then in my opinion, in Justin's opinion, it's worth doing. If you're bullshitting yourself, quote unquote, to get there, and I'm, yes, I'm speaking to maybe more secular people who this is the first time listening to the show. This is the first time getting into some of the content that you and I talk about, that you and I view. It may seem like you're bullshitting yourself, but you are going to help yourself see a different perspective using that placebo effect. And last thing I'll say, I'm sure we've all seen those people who we have a, we have an interaction with them and they they walk they go about their life and you may turn to your friend and you're like oh my god that guy's living in his own world or like oh man he thinks he's the best or like man he thinks life is great yes and like that's what I'm asking you to do like that is that is capable and possible for everybody listening. Mm. I like um, I think I might have heard it somewhere I don't know if it's my term or not but like instead of the placebo effect it's like the God effect. I like that. Yeah. It's like the God effect. It really is a powerful thing. And what we're doing is we're definitely not trying to spiritually bypass the the human experience. That's not what we're saying here either. It's about um, giving your person the tools to properly manage these powerful, painful experiences like losing a loved one. So we're not just bypassing. We're not pretending it didn't happen because it certainly happened to your person. Your person is truly at a loss, your person truly lost a loved one and they're going through grief and they're going through all these powerful emotions that are very real for the person. They're very real. And so how can we want teach our person to feel their emotions? And this is very, very um, foreign to most people. People have never been taught to feel their emotions fully, to be present with their emotions fully. One, because Uh, Parents did not hold space for their emotional child, (laughs) which is very common. So at a very early age, we we didn't feel comfortable um, expressing when we're emotional or sitting with our emotions and processing them in a healthy way. And then also learning how to uh, then alchemize and release the emotion uh, after we felt it. 
And that's really what we're doing here. And, and that's going to always be through love. It's always going to be through love, which is, which is what's really important here is understanding is like, Hey, we're not bypassing it. We're fully feeling it. And then we're giving the tools, which is loving awareness to our person to fully accept, to fully allow, to fully trust uh, in what is and understand that, that it's okay. And death is a part of this. And and, and that's a part of this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. And the person does get better and better about seeing the world through a different lens, through a different conscious lens, a loving lens over time. And our person really adapts and becomes more intelligent, more enlightened as well. My person uh, through these practices, it takes time, but can manage loss more effectively. Like when I went through my divorce, when I went through other powerful shifts. It, it doesn't mean I don't feel them and they're not hard. I just process them in a much more healthier way, um, radically accepting what is, fully surrendering to what is. And and that's that's the sweet spot right there. So we're not bypassing, we're fully feeling, fully understanding it, but just in a completely different way. I appreciate you bringing that up and that both can exist, the human experience mm-hmm. and then also the more divine experience or understanding. Justin and I just completed, just finished reading another Adyashanti banger, uh, Resurrecting Jesus, which yeah. we both thought was really cool at bridging the gap between secular, which is non-religious, non-spiritual, and then also the spiritual world, because the Jesus story is so well known in the West and in the United States. Like You could probably go up to uh, a Jewish friend or a Muslim friend or a Hindu friend and be like, yeah, you know Jesus, right? And they'd be like, oh, I roll. <laughs> yes, I, I grew yeah. up in America. Like I know the story. And so it's a great teaching tool. And in the book... Adyashanti talks about how you just say Jesus. And of course, people are like, that's God, that's the eternal, that's spirit, you know, that's the definition of everything. It's like, okay, cool. So we've established the pure spiritual side. You know, homeboy was like going through the synagogue and the temple and just like throwing shit against the wall and like breaking tables and yelling at folks. And then also in the Jesus story in the gospels, how he didn't want to be crucified. And he's literally asking God, like, can I get out of this? Like, I'm, I'm not really down for this. He's human. Then, yeah, he's yes. human as person. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, if we can look at that story as an allegory, as an analogy for our lives, it's literally showing us that you can be both. Yes. And so that's what Justin's getting into is not avoiding your feelings, not shoving them down. Like that didn't work for previous generations. It's not going to work for us, but feeling those feelings, going through them in a healthy way. And then also realizing like, wow, I, I can step back and I'm having this experience. And in, in a very, very weird way, it's also beautiful, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Like Justin was the winning sperm. I was the winning sperm and sperm number two does not get to experience these emotions, even if they're bad, quote unquote emotions. But just wanted to to kind of bring that all together and say that, yes, you can have the human experience. You can also have a very spiritual experience. Yeah. It's like that famous saying that Jesus says, be in the world, but not of it. Right. And so, and that's why I actually resonate with, with a lot of the, the well-known um, icons uh, out there like Buddha or, or Jesus or, or who I like Aknan, all these different powerful, powerful uh, spiritual teachers and leaders. Um, I, I love Jesus because he fully embraces his humanism. He isn't ever trying to uh, spiritually bypass it. He's, he's in it and it's in the muckiest way possible where if you, and, and, and Adashante talks about this as well, where you look at like um, Buddha, he's always in this perfect Zen um, you know, lotus position, meditating in a cave somewhere. So, and that's neither um, 
better or worse either, but that's a different way of having this experience is kind of most of your time transcending into this space of nothingness or oneness or spirit. And uh, Jesus obviously goes to that space when he when he's going through prayer, when he's meditating, but he's also coming back down and and fully experiencing his humanism, as you as you put, like with the fear of being executed with, with all those things and didn't want to do it with being upset at the church and, and taking things personally. So uh, that's that's something that was a, a very powerful shift for me, because I think for for quite some time I was. I was not bypassing, but I, I was more so operating from the Buddha seat where I was, I was really focusing on meditating throughout my day and being very ethereal throughout my day. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't purposely bypassing my human experience, but now it's come full circle. Like, oh man, I am, I'm fully here. I am fully here. And it, 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 in, in the most simplest ways with my coffee. And that is exactly where I need to be. Um, yeah i love i love the coffee example because um i so i'm not a huge camper i've talked about this like personally and in my my own content but i went on a backpacking trip I, we, we talked about this at acl um i have a friend who you would really dig and he runs soul searching adventures so i did this thing in 2021 for a week it was in january so it was actually negative two when we were doing these hikes and like camping it was pretty brutal but uh i i've never camped and he made it super easy where there was an Excel doc of like, you need these things. There's another part that was, I'm providing these things like the tent, like the sleeping bag and stuff. And then there was like, if you want any of the creature comforts, but remember, like it's going to go on your back. So, mm. you know, everything that you want from the creature comforts, that's more you're going to have to carry. And one of the creature comforts was a coffee mug with powdered coffee. So I'm at REI with this fucking list going through asking somebody to help me out. And then he sees coffee and he's like, yeah, let me show you a mug or whatever. And he's like, oh, I recommend this one to keep warm, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bro, that's like another thing in my bag. And I'm just, oh God, it's going to take up some space. And he's like, just trust me, get the coffee. Right. So the first day camping, I have the powdered coffee and I'm like, whatever, this tastes horrible. And the third day, Justin, I'm holding it and I'm just like, it's in my hands. You know, it's fucking like 20 degrees out and I've had freeze dried food for three days. And I'm just like, man, I love this coffee. Like, I'm so grateful for this coffee. I'm so grateful for this moment. I am drinking the Starbucks coffee way too fast. I'm not having a moment at home being mm -hmm. grateful for the coffee. And like, that's the goal with what Justin and I talk about is to be so conscious that you're tying your shoes and you're like, let me tie my shoes and be conscious. Let me be in this moment. I'm having my coffee. Mm -hmm. Let me take a sip, be grateful for it. Um, backing up for a sec, the icons that you mentioned for anybody listening, Ascended Masters would be an amazing Google for you. Uh, Google search Ascended Masters. So that'd be like Jesus Buddha. There's a whole list of them. Um, Malchizedek is one of my personal favorites because he's mentioned in the Old Testament and then using sort of a literary device in the New Testament, they say that Jesus is of the order of Malchizedek. So it's like mm. making the prophecy whole. He's another Ascended mm. Master. And then for anybody who's more interested in this stuff, like the book Resurrecting Jesus, Adyashanti talks about the Gospel of Thomas, which is more of Gnostic Christianity, which is Christian mysticism. Yeah. If you've yeah, heard yeah. of Kabbalah, that's Jewish mysticism. And then, of course, if you have books from the Hindu religion, spirituality of the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads, and then you have more Buddhist texts, they all talk about the same thing. Yes. And it's just a different perspective on this life. And so, like Justin said, the Buddha and the Buddhists and that focus has a different perspective on relatively the same story. And then Jesus has a different perspective on the same story. Krishna has a different perspective on the same story. Unfortunately, we're 
separated by language and distance and stuff. But when one really reads into it, it's like, oh, they're all talking about the same thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And what's and 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 I think what's important here when we start operating from this lens, or all speaking this language, it allows us to what's most important is really no longer suffer. And and that's that's I mean, I think that's the, the biggest reason why we have these conversations is to is to break free from this mind, from this identity with our experiences in this space. And, and, and I think that's why all of us truly suffer um, in this experience is, is the identification with our mind, the identification solely with this person and its experiences. And, and most people, unfortunately, are really uh, born into poor experiences, unsafe environments. Um, and when we identify with this space and, and, and we identify with the mind, and the mind is so funny because the mind just doing what it does, right? It's just trying to keep you safe, trying to keep you alive, trying to keep you comfortable, um, trying to feel good. And so if we identify with this mind, these thoughts, uh, we can easily uh, fall into some very poor behaviors. We can play small. We can self-sabotage due to these powerful, painful experiences we had as, as children or young adults. And so I, I think if we can see it from this lens right uh, as jesus as buddha we can break free of this mind and and also then teach our person to operate from that same space and time i love it mm. um there's one more i was thinking about in the world and not of it because i try to i try to take the esoteric make it generic right because a lot of what you and i talk about justin it's like man i really need to sit down and like take notes wrap my mind around it mm. um an analogy i was thinking of recently with being in the world not of it is uh sporting events because how many of us go to a sporting event and then it ruins our day if our team loses right mm -hmm. versus let's say you go to a sporting event you're in it and then after the sporting event is done we're in lose draw or whatever you don't let it affect your mood and that's being in the world but not of it mm -hmm. and you're walking around maybe you're you know the team lost and everybody around you's like man fuck this and they're throwing shit and getting pissed and stuff and you're like oh, i'm great like i'm gonna go to dinner like i feel fine that's being in the world and not of it so i just wanted to add a little bit more to that um and then yeah on the suffering point the end of our suffering um i had a life coaching client recently reflect back to me he was like you seem like you're always super excited and you have a lot of energy for every day and it allowed me to think back that knock on wood for the longest time justin like i used to be that guy that would wake up and be like man today's gonna suck mm -hmm. like oh it's just not that you know ugh. it's like i woke up on the wrong side of the bed and then my entire day's fucked and i was thinking back on it and i was like i haven't had one of those days in however long I can remember. Right. And that's for our listeners, what Justin and I are trying to get to like the stuff that we talk about, the practices, you know, you're not going to meditate. And then the next day, Oh, life's wonderful. Yeah. But it's these ongoing practices, the ongoing consistency. And then all of a sudden you have somebody reflect back to you like, wow, it seems like you're loving life. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it takes time. Uh, you know, it's so it's it's so neat to understand that you can reprogram uh, these intrusive thoughts like these things that are coming through these conditioning um it, it's really really amazing so and, and what's also cool is like you get really good at just seeing a thought as a thought and not thinking that's you most people listening right now when you have a thought you think that's you thinking which is fucking wild right imagine if you can just be like oh that is literally just a thought that my brain created just now 
and who knows why it created it. It may have been stimulated from the external. It might have been stimulated from an emotion that happened in the body and your brain's trying to make sense of what that emotion can be and create a story around it. And if it's uncomfortable, it can create an uncomfortable story around it and pull you as consciousness into that story. And then you suffer. <laughs> I'm caught in it. Oh God. I'm caught <laughs> in it. Yeah. And so if you identify, that's the most wildest part. If you identify with that store if you identify with these thoughts feelings and emotions it's so much easier to get pulled into these hypothetical mind movies that are full of worry and dread and that can really just be the worst the absolute worst so it's really great to have the awareness and the ability to not get pulled into it to pause and help your person manage it because it is your person's thoughts it is your person's feelings and emotions so we just get really good at essentially being the parent and the child simultaneously right so let's use that as a segue to something else that you and i wanted to talk about because um i you know it's always I, i think personally it's always cool to use examples like real world examples for a lot of the theoretical things that we talk about and so mm-hmm. Um, Justin knows that I'm kidding with this next comment because I was commenting on his sweatshirt a moment ago before we mm-hmm. record, but let's say you and I are hanging out and I'm like, your sweatshirt fucking sucks, bro. And all of a sudden you get tweaked with an emotion. What mm-hmm. is your process? Can you describe that for us? One, I think to understand whatever you're projecting has nothing to do with me. It's just like how you're seeing things, right? So, so not taking it personal. That's one thing that I've really have done well throughout my life is when someone's projecting, when someone's judging, I understand that they are operating from the mind and they're not operating from their higher self, their more conscious self. And, and I'm really aware of that. I'm really aware if someone judges my social media or says something rude on my social media, I'm really good of, of not letting my person get provoked, my, my person drop um, and, and take it personally. Uh, I, I understand that it's never personal. Nothing's ever personal. It's simply conscious or unconscious. And, and I'm able to do that uh, very quickly. Now, it wasn't always like that. It took me some time. It took me, it took me to suffer, to realize it. Because anytime I, I allowed myself to get provoked and take it personally and create a story and defend something or what have you, or judge them back, which is what normally would happen, I would then judge them back. I would, I would feel like shit, I would suffer. And I would, whatever I would do, I'd be going through these mind movies, dealing with this comment, as opposed to being like, oh, this person is operating from their mind ego. This individual is operating from their mind ego. And they're just simply projecting, how can I uh, see it for what it is? And just kind of let it go by and not take it personally. And, and, it, and it doesn't grab you, right? That energy doesn't take a hold of you, so to speak. It's, it's funny when people do that, they're like essentially throwing energy, they're just throwing energy at you. And you can get really good about seeing it and kind of just letting it slide by and not letting it grab hold of you. And the way that you do that is, is by seeing the love in them, by seeing uh, consciousness in them, as opposed to the, um, the egoic mind. Uh, and that's been really powerful to be able to see the divine being within them. Right. Uh, yeah. And then there's, there's Jesus like again. You know, yeah, Jesus, like again, I, forgive them for they did not what they do. They're yes. asleep. They're asleep. The divine right. being is asleep in the trance. Yeah. Cause if we're, if we're being conscious, like a potential in that, um, example instance could be like, if I say, Hey, your sweatshirt sucks, bro. The conscious awakening response could be like, are you okay? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Be like, hey, how's your day going? Right. Like, you, need a, you need a hug? Like, come here, bro. Give me a hug. Yeah. yeah or, exactly. or even just like, would you like it? Would you like my sweatshirt? Or do you know, like, I can tell you where I got it from. Yeah. Because you're understanding yeah. that it's not personal. This person is going through whatever they're going through. Maybe it, their dad was uh, abusive and used to yes. wear a sweatshirt like this. And all of a sudden, Correct. that's where that's coming from. And so it's yeah. having that compassion. It's trying to see that other perspective first, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. And so um, I, would lo- I would love for you to keep expanding this. So you recognize first, this isn't personal. This mm-hmm. person's operating from maybe an unconscious state. They have some trauma that's causing them to say this. So you're not taking it personally. And then what do you, what would you do? Um, so say if I did take on the energy, so to speak, say I feel that. Right. Yeah. That, you're, that, you're tweaked. You're like, wait a minute. Like Sean's a homie. Like, why is he saying this? And now you yeah. can feel an emotion. Yeah. So say I get contracted, so to speak, right? I get contracted, which is like my heart. I, I get triggered is what we also can call it. So if I get contracted, the first thing I do is notice that I am contracted. Like, ooh, that actually contracted my person. That that, that triggered my person, this person, what he just said, because he just threw like a vibration shade at me. Um, yeah, exactly. He's just literally throwing shade. So what I first do is sit for just a moment, depending on the situation, depending on how powerful that shade could be. Um, normally, you know, it just takes me a moment at this time, but before it would have taken me longer. Um, I just sit with that emotion for a moment and feel feel the emotion. I honor it, and then I alchemize it afterwards. Whether that be um, some some few breaths if I need to, or you know maybe go outside and and put my feet on the grass or what have you. Uh, maybe get into the sun. There's all different types of ways to alchemize the energy that may have like climbed onto you, so to speak. And so feeling it and then um, releasing it is really good but i'm at the point now where it doesn't actually tie to me anymore which is really great you know that took practice before if someone would have throw shade on me i probably would have taken that with me a great example is is okay a cool example to explain this would be like say you're driving in your car and somebody that you don't know comes by gives you the finger and cuts you off so my old self would have followed that person down <laughs> maybe at the stoplight have gotten out of my car Wow. And yeah. Yeah. My old, like 20 year old self, for sure. I'm ready to throw down. Like that really triggered me. You know what I mean? I was very much asleep and operating from my person. And that really triggered me because, you know, my dad didn't treat me very well. So that's probably where that came from. You disrespected me. That's it. We're throwing down. Let's get this. Right. And as I became more conscious, you know, then the next step would have been, and then I would have taken that energy and went home and maybe even brought it and told my girl about it. You couldn't believe what happened. And I carry that in me. And then I probably would have taken a shower and thought about what I should have said and what I should have done. And it would have carried through the whole fucking day. And I might even brought it up two days later to a friend. It's still there. So you can see how long it can really just hold on to you and carry you. Right. And then finally you can let it go. Maybe it's, it's crazy how long that could take. And then, you know, as you become a little bit more enlightened, a little bit more conscious, you know, then maybe the person gives you the finger, drives by you, and maybe you just follow them to the light, but you don't get out of your car. You know, same process. And then just the next time, the fuck out of you, you just tailgate him. You get on that shit. He brake checks you a few times. It's a little bit better, but not very much. Uh, you still go home and talk about still it. Still suffering. Your yeah, you're still suffering. And the next time they come through and they give you the finger and you're just like, ooh, and it, it kind of hurts, but you don't tailgate them anymore. And you're like, damn, like, what the fuck was that about? And you still go home and talk about it. And then the next time, you know, it, they come through, they give you the finger and you see it and you're like, you're like, man, that person must be having a bad day. It must be really going through it. I know it has nothing to do with me. That person does not even know me. They don't know me. 
Like, it's not personal. Like, wow, they're probably having a bad day. Like, damn, that's crazy. And then even the next time it happens, when they do it and they give you the finger, you realize that it's not about you. You realize that person's truly suffering and they're just reacting to whatever it is. And you have the ability to pause for a moment. Be like, hey, brother, I send you love. I hope your day is is amazing moving forward. I hope I hope whatever it is that you're going through that it gets released and I send you love and light. I love you. I love you. And and that's how you start operating and you can actually alchemize that person. It's phenomenal. And 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 again back to everything is energy energy everything is all one. This is something that I do on, on a regular basis. When I see somebody struggling, whether they're having a, an argument with a waiter or they're having a bad day at the fucking airport and I see that they're really emotionally distraught, I'll look directly at them and I'll send them love. And I can see them literally shift in real time. Just real time. I can see their shoulders relax. I can I can see them kind of settle and release a little bit. And um, it's it's truly powerful. And so when someone were to talk shit on my shirt, I don't even have to say anything. I can kind of just look at them like, hey, I send you love, my friend. I hope your day is better. And that's all you really need to do. It's kind of cool. I love it. Thank you for that path. I think that's super cool using uh, the analogy of somebody cutting you off, giving you the finger, because I think most people listening nodding their heads for like, sure. yeah, that's happened to me for sure. Um, something that's helped me in, in traffic in general. And I think this is also great to practice having no expectations mm-hmm. because, uh, like Tony Robbins, who you're going to his event, he talks about like appreciation over expectation, right? And an amazing place to practice this is your commute. Just mm-hmm. have no expectations because then when somebody waves you in or you let them in and they give you a wave, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, oh, I appreciate that so much. Like, oh, it, it made good. my day. Right. But you're not expecting it. Um, and then if you're not having expectations and someone flicks you off and then cuts you off, you might think, well, they obviously need to get somewhere quicker than I do. Like, thank you for cutting me out. Like you obviously need to, you you feel, yeah, you, you, I'm, I'm definitely going way slower. Yes, please cut me off. Like you, you obviously need to get where you're going quicker. Mm. And so I think if we go into those events also with zero expectation and practice that, then all of a sudden when people do great things, we really appreciate it when they don't, it's like, okay, cool. Like I I wasn't expecting you. Yeah. Being at peace too, with just what is like reality is reality. And that's something that I really leaned into over these last few years, just being at peace with what is, and it doesn't mean that it's always going to be great or good. Like you're just at peace with what is, and you're going to fight reality anymore. And anytime I would fight reality, anytime I'd have a problem with it is when I felt divisiveness within myself is when I actually struggled or suffered. And so that's one thing is like, I just accept what is, I accept what is, and I'm I'm at peace with what is. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. It doesn't mean that sometimes it's very challenging to be at peace with what is. It's just something I realized like that is really the only path. It's just being at, being at peace and fully accepting, fully to surrendering to what is. Um, what was I going to say? And what I really, what I've really realized is like, what I, what I feel is important are the times that. I'm not at peace and that I can get provoked. I kind of really become curious as to, Ooh, what, what kind of, um, what's left, what, what else yeah, is there? What, what about, and what I realized anytime that I, I can get provoked, someone can kind of fucking piss me off and get me to drop from consciousness to unconsciousness and, and, and fall into my egoic mind and want to respond and want to be right and then be wrong. Um, is when I'm not doing my practices. It's like, essentially, it's like, when can I not hold the space? Because that's what we're really talking about. Do I have the ability to hold the space at all times when I get cut off, when someone talks shit on my shirt, when when my girl's in a bad mood, when my dog shits on the fucking floor, when I have a flat tire, right? These are all, 
These are all moments. These are all moments that we can either choose to stay conscious or unconscious, take it personal or, or not personal at all. And uh, I've gotten really good at not taking any of this stuff personal. It's never personal. And how can I keep my heart open, so to speak, during all these moments, whether it's a, a blown tire or, or someone actually being uh, cruel or unconscious to me? Another thing is not labeling it as a, a person as toxic or bad has been really powerful. Uh, I think when we when we label things, especially if it's a, a negative label, we're, we're falling already into the unconscious space as soon as we judge. I think that's a big, big, um, an important way to kind of see where, which space, which self are we operating from. The egoic mind uh, is judgment. It really does fall into judgment. You can teach it not to, which is really cool. Uh, I'm in that space. I feel like I'm really good about not judging. My person's really good about not judging uh, through a lot of practice and, and training. But you can get really good about knowing what self you are, are operating from. If you're in a place where you can see somebody and you can see the love and light in them, even when they're going through a moment uh, and they're falling into trance, when they fall into that egoic mind, can you, can you stay in awareness for them? Or do you get provoked and do you drop into judgment? And, and that's always really great. As soon as I know that I'm dropping into judgment for any reason, I'm like, ooh, I just slipped into the egoic mind. Because the, the, the higher conscious self will not judge. Spirit doesn't judge. And so that's a really cool way to know where you're operating from, from that very moment. When you're getting frustrated, when you're getting impatient, that's when you know you dropped. I think it's good to also, what I would say is like embracing your human. And this is what I do with Dela is uh, creating a space to judge just to mm -hmm. kind of get it out of our system. Get it out. Yeah. And so like, Justin and I may be at ACL and maybe I judge somebody and I just want to rant and I just want to vent. I want to grumble. It's maybe saying to Justin, like I'm, we're operating under the preface that like we're all conscious, we're all awake and we're all divine beings. With that said, is this a cool container? Can you create a safe space where I can just like pop off about this person? It's like, Hell yeah, yeah. Sure. go for it. Yeah. And then you yep. do your, your thing. You're not saying it to them. You're not, you know, being, um, you're not like bracing up with them, but it's like your friend or your partner. And you're just like, open it up, you grumble a little bit and then you're done. And I, Justin, I love might, that. Justin might even say like, that feel good. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. You know? Dude, and that's, that's huge. And that's what I've been coaching with some of my clients when we want to fix things in our family. When my partner or someone else's partner is like, I have this issue. How many of us go into like, well, let me try to fix it. And that just creates more problems versus taking a beat and asking the question, are you looking for solutions or you just want to vent? Mm. And if they say, I just want to vent, then you can lean into it and be like, yeah, I told you that bitch crazy. Like, I can't believe they did this. Da, 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 right. And then they feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you have that moment you're done. It's like, okay, cool. Now, now that it's out of your system, can you go back to being the loving parent or the loving family member, or the loving friend? Right. Um, I also wanted to use kind of a real world example for what Dela and I do for people listening who maybe want to bring these practices into their relationship is to have a space for processing. And it's really important in a calm, not confrontational space to kind of lay down ground rules. And a ground rule that Dela and I use is having certain phrases that hold a bunch that when you unpack them, they, they have a lot of meaning. And so Justin's example, your example, Justin, of somebody tweaks me and I feel triggered and I feel that emotion you mentioned like, I may take a few deep breaths. I might go outside and ground myself. I might, you know, do use these practices that I know to work, how that can work in, at least in my experience in an interpersonal relationship in a romantic relationship is to have these ground rules. And with Dayla and I will say like, Hey, I need to process this for a sec or like, Hey, I'm processing. And that just tells the other person, like, I'm going to be quiet 
but it doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm taking off. I'm piecing out of this conversation. It's just like, I'm, I'm giving this a moment for this fucking wave of emotion to hit me. I think they've also studied it, that the chemicals take about 90 minutes, 90 seconds, not 90 minutes, 90 seconds to fully get out of your body. So you feel that trigger, you feel that hit. It's like a wave in the ocean. Steph could vibe with this. You like feel the hit and don't fight it and just kind of let it happen and don't yell and scream or get pissed and just like let the emotion take a few of those deep breaths. And then all of a sudden that emotion's gone and you can operate from a calmer, more conscious space. And it's really helpful if you have this set up with your partner. So you're not just peacing out. You're not just being quiet because then your partner's like, yo, what the fuck? Do you care? Like, why aren't you talking to me? Did it right? Versus you just take that first deep breath and we'll be like, hand processing. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to give you a minute. And then every single time, whether it's Dela, whether it's me, it's like, okay, I have that time to process deep breath. And then like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. You know, I, I know you might not be thinking about it this way, or this is how I'm taking it, blah, blah, blah. And then moving into that conversation. So that's a way for people listening to apply what Justin's talking about. If you're in this interpersonal relationship, you can't just... Oh man, this person came out. They triggered me like later. I'll be back yeah. in five minutes. <laughs> well, th- I think that's actually brilliant. Um, I think what we can do is even give some, some pointers uh, for couples out there. You know, if you are say an individual and you're, and you're coming in hot into your home and you're the one that's emotional, I think letting your partner know like, Hey, I'm working through something, through something. Can you hold space for me right now? And that's really powerful too. Do you have the capacity to hold space right now as I'm processing these powerful emotions that I'm going through? And then the other partner can be like, you know what? Give me five minutes. Um, Cause I'm like, I don't think I'm prepared right now. So just give me like five minutes. Let me go for a quick walk. Let me just go sit in the sun for a second and I can really hold space for you. Cause maybe that person's even, you know, going through whatever it is that they're going through and they don't have the capacity. Cause that's usually what it is, is like most people just don't have the capacity to hold other people's energy. Uh, and so like, you know, having powerful conversations, conscious conversations, you know, when we're feeling these emotions, when we're going through these emotions can be really helpful in the, the, the couple's space, like you mentioned. Um, also too, um, rewind a little bit. I love that you touched on like, um, just kind of expressing how we're feeling, right. When we have these emotions and giving it kind of a safe space for it to be spoken on. This is something that I really love doing with my clients. So Oftentimes on my calls, uh, if I can see my person's a little stressed or what have you, I ask what they're feeling. What emotion are you feeling right now? And um, it could be anger. It could be fear. It could be um, sadness, what have you. And um, I love giving that emotion a seat at the table. And so that's what's really cool. Um, we can we can create a safe set and setting, as you just said, like, hey, listen, let me hear what you're angry about. Let 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 anger speak right now without any guilt, without any shame without trying to, you know, feel bad about being anger, angry or what have you. Let's, let's give anger the floor and let anger fully fucking express and fully fucking speak. And that's so powerful. So I'm glad you brought that up because every time a person can do it, they feel lighter. They feel immediately lighter for one. Um, cause a lot of times they're just, it's playing in their mind over and over. And that vibration is then created in their body and getting stuffed in and stuffed in and stuffed in. And, um, it feels good to fully express it, fully give it, get it out and say all the things that need to be said. And so you can also do this, uh, within a relationship or within friends, you can create these set, safe set and settings for them to fully express. And your job is simply to hold space, to let them speak without judging them, without evaluating them or without any of those things. And, and that's been really, really, um, therapeutic, really fun, 
with my clients, with my friends, uh, just asking them like, hey, just so you know, if you want to express, if you're sad right now, let's, let's hear what you're sad about. And it's amazing like what comes out sometimes. It's really, really powerful stuff. And then you can even go through, what are you happy about? <laughs> mm. Yeah, because how many opportunities do we have that, right? And never don't yeah exactly never like nobody ever did that for us as kids like our parents didn't be like hey you look kind of sad do you want to talk about like what are you sad about right now and imagine if we could do that for each other and hold space without judging that person or evaluating that person in every way because that person's already doing it they're already feeling all the guilt right. and shame for even having these these intrusive thoughts of anger or judgment they already feel like they shouldn't be having them and it's like well your thoughts are just having them based off their own personal experiences so like, why don't we let it out? Why don't we let it out in a cool place? You know, yeah. like you can actually verbally fucking spit that shit out. And uh, man, it's amazing what that can do. I've been doing that as practice with Porter, uh, my three month old. And uh, when he's crying, sometimes or fussing. I'm just like, let it out, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you pissed about? You know, oh, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Like, just let it out. You know, yeah. and it's, it's fun to practice because I want to do that. Right. Like when he's old enough to talk. Mm -hmm. And then I can be like, yeah, what's up, bro? And then he can let it out. It's a safe space. I'm not going to judge him. And it's funny, Justin, it may just be the mind movies that I'm playing. But when I do that with him, when I'm holding him and he's fussing, and I'm like, yeah, dude, just let it out. He'll do like a big cry. And then he'll be like, and I, and I feel like, and again, maybe this is my mind. Maybe I'm like, okay, cool. You got it out. All right. Like, I'm telling you, that's probably it? more, more real than, than anything right there. The fact that you're doing that is it's wild. Cause if you were to say, flip it on the other, uh, on the other side, a lot of times when we're shushing them, Right. When we're like, shh, 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 where is that really coming from? And usually it's coming from, we don't have the ability to hold the energy from our baby crying right now. Right. It's almost too much. Our nervous system is taxed. We would really like you to quiet down right now or, or say we're on a plane and we don't want to yeah. inconvenience the other flyers. And we're like, shh, shh, shh. so we're already at a very unique space of quieting the emotions of our baby and making them feel like they're too much or Facts. a burden. Yeah. yeah. Like this is, it's over very early. It, yeah, it's very, very early. It's very innocent. Uh, all parents do it. Um, all parents do it. I've seen people do it on the airplane all the time. Their babies yeah. are like, oh, fuck, I don't want I don't want to <laughs> be that parent with the crying babies. Like, let that baby cry. It's a baby. It's cool. Bro. Yeah. Like, and then, like, we've, it's we've a, said that with us on like a plane or if we're in public, I'll be like, you just haven't been around babies. And I had a completely different view, right? Because correct. Also, yeah. my parents, God love them. They would be like, they'd lean over to me and be like, shut that baby up. Right. Like when we're on a plane or whatever. So that's like what I would say. And then now that I have a kid, I'm like, kids fucking and cry and like yeah. you're like how many people on this plane right now who are you know 18 plus want to fucking cry i've been in a mm -hmm. plane for three hours like i'm hungry i need to get up and move like you wish you could cry you're just getting pissed mm -hmm. at the baby it's also so pervasive justin that it's in pop culture like bro i have so many fucking nursery rhymes on my playlist now because of what we play for porter and the wheels on the bus that holding wheels on the bus go round and round the one of the couple of the lyrics are the baby on the bus goes wah 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 and when that comes on dayla and i turn to porter and we're like we know you're not crying that's really they're really judging you you know they're they're placing that upon you that you're crying on the bus <laughs> and then they go and the moms on the bus go shh, shh, shh. and i'll say to porter i'm like that's really an indictment on your mom like she's uh, not gonna do that they're throwing, throwing shade my point being even these nursery rhymes that have been around for decades like i'm sure yeah. our parents saying that to us or they could listen to it um they're, they're putting that on us of like oh babies should be shushed and like babies are crying and it's like hey you, you don't need to take that on don't don't take yeah. that on you don't have to I mean, I do it with my fucking dogs. If, if my dog is acting like a fool, I immediately, I fall into what are other people thinking of my dog being ridiculous, of my dog being loud. And I think we, we naturally will also do this as parents. We really are, 
worried about inconveniencing other people or about being too loud or what have you. But this is a, a, a very, very powerful beginning stage of not creating safe space for emotions to be felt, to be processed, to be welcomed. And so, yeah, it's good to pay attention to this. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I became aware of this, of allowing uh, people to process their emotions in powerful ways. Um, and mostly it was like learning just from having a dog because I don't have a child yet. Yeah, yeah. So Dude, if you, you notice yourself... So yeah, That's if you notice yourself doing that, like catch it and be like, you know what? It's it's cool. It's normal that my dog barks. It's normal right. that my yeah. child cries. And it's normal that my three-year-old's going to throw a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store and I don't have to worry about what anybody fucking thinks. Um, what I was going to say is I know we're going to do a parenting podcast, which I appreciate in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but that's something with uh, being a parent. Like if I'm thinking about what are things that I can relate to people who are on the precipice of having kids or they want to have kids that you may not find in a normal book is to really work on your own trauma and to do a lot of the work that Justin and I are talking about with these podcasts, with the Nirvana community, because some of the, so like I had a client way back when who, uh, she was talking about her husband got so pissed once and he like kicked a trash can that was mechanical and like, and he broke the trash can and like, it's not cool. Right. But he probably thought like, Oh, you know, my wife will understand like everybody gets mad. Right. Or he shared it with a homie and they're like, Oh bro, like I've done that too, whatever. And then you have a kid and you're like, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not cool. I don't want my kid to see me break a trash can. And yeah. so then all of a sudden you're really forced to face a lot of your own trauma and habits and actions. And if you haven't done that work prior, it's going to be yeah. a lot harder. Like I noticed, yeah early on with having Porter, when he was fussing, I'd get, you know, I'd, I'd get triggered and like, I'd feel the blood pressure rising and all stuff. And thankfully doing fucking a decade of therapy and like doing the work on myself, talking to people like you, I'd catch myself and be like, all right, deep breath. Like, why the fuck am I freaking out? Like he just had a huge shit and like <laughs> he's crying because he's been in this diaper for too long. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. need to freak out. But um, mm. if I hadn't done that work, I, you know, it maybe affect my day. And then I'm like yelling at this fucking child. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that really goes back into, yeah, it's not always the worry what other think, it's really our capacity to hold the space. And so, like, if a trash can is pissing you off, right, it's like, ooh, like, maybe you should go release some of that fucking energy, bro. Like, if it, it's wild. Like, I, I love my dogs because they consistently let me know when I need to be doing my work a little bit better. If I'm getting pissed off about my dog barking, if I'm, like, getting reactive, to little things, I know, like, oh, I'm not in a good space right now. I'm, I'm, I'm more unconscious than I am conscious right now, and I'm, and I need to start clearing some of this energy that's filling up in my body, uh, because when you know, life, real life is is gonna happen, and I want to be able to react from a conscious space and not get provoked. And so, if you are a person that is agitated over every little thing, realize that you have to clean that vessel. You have to get into this work. You have to understand that that to be less reactive. And why are we being so reactive? And so I think a lot of people are also shushing their kids and also becoming more triggered and what have you is because the amount of energy that is stored within the body from their whole life experience. And they have yet to sit with those emotions and alchemize those emotions. And I always, I always go back to any time that I become triggered, any time that I get reactive, it's never anybody else's fault. It's always my fault. It's like, oh, I, I skipped meditation for four days in a row now, or I ate a bunch of processed food or what have you, or I've been not getting enough sleep. I start looking at like what caused me to contract, what caused me to have my heart close, 
what didn't allow me to stay in the conscious seat, the loving awareness space. And I really look at those things and I always point the finger back at myself and, and it's never because somebody's too much. I think that's really important. It's never because anything is too much. It's because we don't have the capacity um, or the awareness uh, at that time. Do you have time to dive into NLCA live event real quick? Yeah, I have a person in 20 minutes. So yeah, let's jump into that. We got like 10 minutes. Let's do it. All right, cool. So Justin hosted a really cool... Well, he was he was like a part of a host in this really cool event, NLCA Live, which is Next Level Coaching Academy um, run by our mutual friend, Chad Molyneux. And they had an event out here in North Austin a couple of weeks ago. And I would love for you to dive into, Justin, what your experience was, what you contributed to that event, because I know a lot of people listening are looking forward to those types of events. And I know virtually they're run through Nirvana, but it would be cool. And I know that's one of your goals to have more of these in-person events. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love for you to dive in. Yeah. I think I was the wild card out of that, that, um, that, that whole Why do you say you were a wild card? Event. Um, cause most of this was like, um, how to create like a better business, a better coaching business and like marketing and strategizing and how to create better coaches and what have you. And, uh, I was more so coming in to help a lot of these coaches who are sitting in front of a computer screen all day, who, who maybe don't understand the why they're becoming a coach even, uh, to maybe operate from a different space to, I, I think a lot of people a lot of people, uh, not just, you know, coaches, but just most people where they operate from is, is a space of being enough. What I, I mainly specialize in is again, is like teaching people to no longer identify uh, solely with the person. And so, um, a big part of the ability to do that is, is teaching people how to quiet one's mind through conscious conversations and through breath work and meditation. And so, uh, a lot of people that I work with, um, they, they are always in front of a screen. They're always working these massive hours um, and whatever's driving them, it's, it doesn't really matter. But most of the time, people have a really tough time of quieting down this mind um, towards the end of their work day, especially if they're sitting in front of a screen all day. And I know a lot of people in this specific space, they spend a lot of time on their computer uh, in front of that screen time. And I know that because of that, it can be really hard to kind of turn off these thoughts, turn off this mind and allow us to fully be present when we get home from our, from our day's work. So I was kind of like that person coming in and it's really exciting to do that because it goes way deeper than that. Um, when we kind of get into the bees knees of it all. So I got to do my first public speaking, uh, event with these guys. You know, I, I usually, you know, do a little bit of speaking before my events, but it's very minimal, maybe something like five minutes, 10 minutes tops. Uh, and it's more so geared around like the exercises we're going to be doing like breath work and meditation and sound and stuff like that. But this, this was really a wonderful opportunity to get into the, who am I and kind of get into the different selves and consciousness in a really cool way and articulate it and get them really curious about it. And then leading them into the breath work and meditation so that they can um, know it uh, within, you know, because they already know, everybody already knows everything that me and you have spoken on today. It's just about getting still enough to remember. So um, it was a really fun um, moment for me. It was, it, was, it was something very different outside of my own wheelhouse. And I know this is something that I, I, I will be getting into into the future of more of these public speaking events on some powerful topics. And this was like the first of, of many to come, but it was a lot of fun seeing these guys experience this because they were for sure hopped up on coffee. They've been sitting in a chair all day, looking at a screen all day. 
I was really excited to come in and get them to move their bodies a little bit, get them to move a lot of the energy around through the breath a little bit and to quiet that mind um, in this space and, and powerful experiences happen. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was definitely like a, the wild card, so to speak, though, coming in. Can you describe for us visually a little bit what this looked like? Because I know it was a really big space. Um, mm-hmm. NLCA had ch- had um, rented out this huge hosting space that had like huge conference hall. They also had, it looked like an outdoor space, like yeah. pools, hot tubs type of thing. So what did that look like inside just to kind of lay the scene for our listeners? Yeah, they actually, they rented out uh, like almost like a ranch space. And so it was a, a big building. Uh, a big like barn building and this is where they were hosting um most of the event was in this space and so uh, as i mentioned most of the stuff was like looking at um a powerpoint type of project throughout the day um going through certain things mostly people were sitting at tables and what have you so when i came through we removed all the tables we moved everything out of the way cleared the entire space so that essentially like 100 people could lay down comfortably and partake in this this powerful breath work and meditation for for many people there i would say you know more than half have never even done it so for a lot of people this was a very unique space very vulnerable i would say you know breathing in front of a bunch of people is also very new for people just breathing in general most people don't even know how to do that properly so uh and then after we we kind of went through i think it was about 20 minutes i spoke for on kind of a lot of stuff we touched on today and then getting into what breath work was and what it's really doing that lasted about an hour and then after that we got into contrast therapy which was cool there was a sauna and cold plunge on the site as well which is a part of the event that i was also running so i had a really cool segment of essentially three three and a half hours where i was kind of uh, leading all these people through which was breath work meditation then contrast therapy which was like music and dancing and having lots of fun and just connecting and in powerful ways which is very different than i think most of their their weekend that they were spending there yeah it was a nice pattern interrupt this was the third iteration of nlca live and i can attest as someone who was a part of the first two it's it's more of a professional setting coaches are there to learn how to run their business to market it Correct, to yeah. reach clients to budget etc and so i thought it was really cool for chad to invite you in have a little bit of that pattern interrupt do something different. Want to be conscious of your time because I know you have a call coming up. Um, but for all of our listeners, thank you for being here. Also, real quick, if you want to follow us, it's Justin D. Lovato. It's Fitness Shaman. And then, of course, Nirvana Mind and Body. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, appreciate you guys always listening in. I, I think we were able to make sense of some really cool stuff today. Um, yeah, it's always interesting trying to explain uh, consciousness. Um, well, I was going to say, too, let words. us know. Like if you're, words, if you're listening yeah. and you've made it this long, thanks. And then if you're like, yeah, this actually was helpful. Uh, please feel free to tag us on Instagram. We'd love to repost you, share, reconnect. Um, mm-hmm. Cause yeah, we're hopefully diving into some very esoteric topics that we can make more germane, more understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you as always guys. Appreciate you uh, listening in and uh, supporting us. So thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend, drop the podcast a five-star rating, and be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.